0: This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King.
1: Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by HVAC Trustbooks. Go to hvactrustbooks.com to discover how this tool can help you close more sales. Thank you for joining us. Here is how we will help your business and you today. You might think that I'm absolutely crazy to talk about selling at the end of a hot summer. Yet, the smart contractors start planning for the slower fringe times of the year when it's not a when-you-can-put-it-in decision anymore. It's more of a price-and-value decision. My guest today, Roger Davison, was my client back in the 1990s. He was the first contractor I ever worked with who was extremely profitable year after year in February, the slowest month of the year in the South. How do you do it? I'll let Roger tell you. Roger, welcome to Contractor Sense.
2: Hey, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here.
1: Uh, my pleasure. So, um, you were you were absolutely the first person who was always profitable in February, which started a whole trend, and you and I both thinking about the fact that you could do it, couldn't you?
2: Yes, I could, but it wasn't easy. It took a lot of trial and error, and finally I learned how to do it and what to do. Yeah, it was a lot of knocking on doors, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, it's kind of interesting that first question you asked me, my son, Andrew is, uh, he has a business of his own now and he's just getting started and he's doing, uh, pressure washing and he said, you know, I don't have anything to do. And I said, well, you have it in your jeans. I've taught you how to knock on doors. You just need to go out there and do it. And, uh, I told him an interesting story. I said, Andrew, when you were just a little bitty baby, I didn't have anything to do. And I had, I was about a million dollar company at that time and, um, it was, I don't remember what time of the year it was, but, you know, there are times of the year where you just don't have any installs. And uh, I had gone and knocked on doors on a Friday or a Thursday, and I had three appointments on a Saturday. And I worked all three of those appointments all day Saturday. You know, it's a couple of hours in every home, hard selling, because these people, you know, nothing's really broken. Uh, but it's proactive. And uh, I sold all three of those systems on that Saturday. And, uh, you know, we got busy on that Monday and Tuesday. And Ruth, I can't tell you how many times that happened through the years. Oh yeah, absolutely. We didn't have to do that every month, uh, as you well know, but when we had to, uh, that's what we did. And it's not only knocking on doors, but we would ring the telephone. And, uh, once I figured out how to do that and what to say, then, as you know, we duplicated that with, uh, about three salespeople and. Did really well. Yeah, and it was their responsibility. Uh, How do I say this? I did not allow them to have an entitlement attitude. Um, I think one of the things that we are guilty of in the the heating and air conditioning replacement industry is we hire these salespeople and we we think we owe them something and we think we owe them leads. We wanna help, obviously, but when it's slow, they need to take responsibility for their own success. And the way that you do that, if you're a salesperson and you don't have anything to do, you need to be doing something, some activity that's going to propel you to sit you in front of somebody that needs something that might listen to what you've got to say. Right.
1: right. All right. Let's fast forward. You you ended up doing very, very well with the business. You sold it to a consolidator and got bored, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you went and did what you are incredibly good at, which is teaching, is selling and teaching sales. Because I mean, yeah. you taught the three salespeople, and I think one of the three, if I remember correctly, won the Alabama Power, or, um, Salesperson of the Year. I can't remember how many times. And I remember him telling me one day that the the trip one year was a trip to France, and by taking that trip, he realized how much he lost in sales, and he said he wasn't <laughs> do that
2: again. I don't know whether you ever heard that story. I did because uh, I would, I would, uh, I'm, I had to do his job that week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did, you know, we did quite well. And he, he's a straight commission salesperson. He did win a trip to Europe and he took his girlfriend and we were really proud of him. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, you know, I had a good week that week and it was his money, not mine, but I get to keep it.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, you know, He came back and realized how much he lost and it was like, okay, now you understand what's really and truly going on. Yeah. So- the reality of it is you're now doing a lot of training as it relates to the whole sales process. Correct?
2: Correct. I do. Yes. As it relates to sales process and service call process. And you know, I've had to learn, I've had to do customer service process because it all works together. And, uh, so it's just kind of morphed. You know, I started out doing this to teach people sales and then it morphed into, well, let me help the technicians. That's easier. I think the thing that I learned after all of the struggles and hard work and learning, you know, I was lucky. I didn't have any head trash. I didn't know anything about the heating and air business because I didn't grow up in it. And nobody told me that you uh, could skip the service process, but we just skipped the service process. I only had a couple technicians and six or seven install crews, which is, you know, absolutely backwards. Right. Mm-hmm but uh one one of the things I learned when I started riding with technicians was, "Wow, this is much easier because people invite you in,
1: yeah, absolutely,
2: a, whole, a lot easier,
1: yeah, so but I te- do all three of them now, yeah, but the technicians themselves they have a lot of head trash, as you call it, yes, they do, they do sure. have a lot of head trash, most of them are are afraid, at least from what I'm seeing, most yes. of them don't have the self esteem to know that they're the doctors out there. Right. Because people are calling them because they need somebody to help. Yes. And they're afraid that if they can't afford something that the customer can't, so they don't bring it up.
2: That's correct. And that's what you have to overcome is you have to help. I, really what I do is I help the technicians think differently about what they're doing. And, um, you know, we have to, we get, it's really just cognitive behavioral change. I just help them think different, see themselves differently, so they can behave differently. But, um, you and I have a client in a certain city, uh, down in, um, down in Mississippi. And what, what we found out how you, you, you referred me to him and I helped him and what we what I found out Ruth is I could not get these technicians to go sit down at the kitchen table or on the sofa with the clients. Why? Well, we were going behind all these gated communities mm-hmm. and, and there were really nice houses and the technician was, I could just say, well, let's go in and talk to them. We, you know, we got time to present and then uh, they just, all this stuff. And I, I talked to the owner about it and he said, Roger, you need to go watch that movie. Um, Oh, what was the name of the movie? But it was a movie that was about the sorority culture in Mississippi. And, oh, it's called The Help. You remember the movie, The Help? Yep, I do remember that movie. You have to go watch that movie. I said, what's it about? And I went and watched it. He said, that's the culture we have. So the, the technicians had this mindset that they couldn't go in the front door and sit down because they saw themselves as the help because it was a culture that was in that city and community and state. And so we had a hard time, but I had to get them, you know, I had to get them to see themselves conceptually different. So No, 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 no. You may be talking to a person that's got a whole lot more money than you do, but you're the expert. Yeah. You need to, you need to see yourself differently. Uh, we had a lot of conversations, but you put, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. You do. And so does that owner, that home. And you are not the help. You're the, a trusted advisor.
1: Absolutely. All right, hold that thought. When we get back from break, we're gonna continue that com- this conversation. I'm speaking with Rogers davidson and we will be right back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. I've seen my client salespeople struggle when a customer asks why they should use your company rather than the competition, when your price is higher and you both are proposing the same equipment. I've seen technicians struggle when customers ask them whether they should replace an 18-year-old air conditioner. And most salespeople and technicians never ask the one question that most customers are concerned about, yet never ask. Can I trust you? I found a tool that gives your salespeople and technicians the ammunition to answer this question and more. And the tool works. How do I know? 68% of my clients are using it to increase sales and referrals. What is it? A trust book with your name on it as the author. More details are at HVACTrustBooks.com. Warning, there is only one contractor per area that can get these great books. Some areas are already taken. They've gone to my clients. If you want your area and want to have a tool for your salespeople and technicians to increase referrals and sales, then go to HVACTrustBooks.com now
0: and reserve your area. Eliminate costly warranty leak repair headaches. Three years ago, Ruth King wrote a leak policy letter for one of her clients who was dealing with huge warranty leak issues. When she gave the letter to technicians and trained them on how to use it, warranty leaks went from zero... That's right, zero. Then, she gave the letter to one of her other clients and any contractor who wanted it. The results? The same. Zero warranty leak repairs. The unexpected benefits? An increase in replacement sales. Ruth shares this letter with anyone and everyone who wants it. So, get your sample leak policy letter for free. No strings, no catches, no guaranteed results. Go to HVACChannel.tv or call us at 877-520-4321. Click on the link in the middle of the homepage to get your free leak policy letter. I hope you experience zero warranty leak repairs and eliminate a major costly headache.
1: We're back. I'm here with Roger Daviston, and we are talking about the sales process, not only from the standpoint of the comfort advisor, but also from the technician standpoint. And Roger, before we get into this again, give everybody your website and where they can get a hold of you.
2: Uh, roger daviston.com very easy yes my first last name.com is d-a-v-i-s-t-o-n all right roger
1: Davison.com. all right so how long does it normally take to get a technician to for all intents and purposes turned around his, turn around his mindset <laughs>
2: <That's a laughs> you're
1: laughing at me
2: <laughs> that's a great question um sometimes they never do Ruth. Uh, and it depends on three things, really four. If I've got somebody that has a lot of desire and they're committed and they don't make excuses and they feel pretty good about themselves most of the time and when they don't, they know how to manage that, then they get better quickly. But if I've got a person who doesn't have any desire, he doesn't ever change. Uh, if I've got a person that's got a good bit of desire and kind of committed, it takes longer. Uh, but, but it also depends on what kind of, you know, do they, do they really kind of accept personal responsibility? And it's like this, it's like any lack, here's the attitude and mindset you need to look for in people is any lack of success that I may have is just, it's just due to my own ineffectiveness. And, you know, depending on Th- their mindset in that area if if they have more of a mindset that goes to that, then I can help them if they are committed and have desire because I'm going to ask them to do things that's really uncomfortable
1: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and and not only I would imagine that technicians are not only the people who do this but the people who answer the phone. It's everybody's got to want to do this and it's and they've got to have the desire to do it. And, and it is everybody. And here's what I have learned also over the last uh, ten years:
2: is that if I have a an owner that isn't doesn't have desire and isn't committed, the owner has to have those same that same mindset. Because I had a situation a situation where I had an owner, and I heard him say this. He said, "You know, guys, we're going to give this a try." And I said, "I said, listen, this isn't going to work." I said, how would you like to be with a general and, you know, we're going to try to take that hill. We're going to give this a try. No, 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 no. We're committed. I said, until you get committed, they're not going to get committed. So I'll have owners who will hire me to fix other people when they aren't really committed themselves. And the, 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 the employees are looking at the owner. Yeah. They see me and probably you too. A lot of times is here comes another consultant. I can't wait till this guy leaves too.
1: I quit. I don't work with them anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had to
1: learn that too. And you you've I've had to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. like if if I'm not going to waste their time, their money or my time unless it's going to work and I need their commitment up front before we mm-hmm. do it because it, it won't work. I'm not you know, we won't waste time or money. It's not Yeah. Nothing money. happens. Nothing
2: happens if the leader's not committed. So it's two things. You got to be committed as a leader and you got to find people who have desire and commitment that work for you. And, uh,
1: you know, not everybody changes. Not everybody wants to change everybody. Sometimes, sometimes they're just comfortable and that's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, you know, it's, then they look at everybody else who's advancing around them and they want to know why. And it's usually a number one, a very difficult conversation, but number two, a very real conversation. And at that point, some of them wake up and some of them don't.
2: That's right. And I have better, I have really good success if I have a, a culture of leadership that sets expectations, expects people to do things, and then holds people accountable for certain types of behavior. If I can have those bookends, this is who we are, and this is, what we, is, is, this is who we are, this is what we expect, and we're going to check it. And, and, any, and if I can have those two bookends, then people grow or they quit.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And, and both of those are good things because they don't need. Maybe they don't need to be there. Yeah, one of my clients. Within a year, we everybody left except one person in field, office, whatever. And the joke used to be whenever, whenever I was coming, they were saying, "Okay, who's going this time?" But I did. I gave them. The owner was committed. Yeah. We gave them very clear direction about what was expected, and some of them just. Couldn't do
2: it. Couldn't do it. Don't want to do it. But I, I bet you, I bet that culture and company really improved.
1: Oh my gosh, you should see it now. Oh my gosh, it's like night and day. They're doing yeah. phenomenally well. Yeah. And I'm so proud of them. They're really doing really well. I'm, I'm, it was a painful year. Yes, it is. That can be very painful. Yeah, I went through it. All right. So let's get back to the selling process itself. Let's look, let's look at it. You do sales a little bit differently than most other people do, at least from what I see. So talk about your process a little bit.
2: Well, uh, in terms of the service call process or the sales process, the
1: sales process we've talked, we've, I think we've done the service call one pretty well. (laughs) Let's talk about the sales process. So, uh, it's really,
2: it's really nothing new out there. It's just not traditional. Uh, as you know, I'm a Sandler trained person, uh, studied Sandler. So I I've sort of adapted the Sandler selling process and it's really just about putting the weight of the responsibility on the customer and not me. Um, and the way the responsibility is, listen, this is your problem. This is your pain. Uh, here's what i can do to help you uh and if you want me to help you here's what it costs and here's what we can do and here's the options you tell me what to do next you're the boss um but it, it's a process of you know setting expectations you know how can i best help you what's your pain you know what and, and pain is a lot of times that's really takes a long time to learn how to find pain and, and, and budget. I always like to ask people, you know, based on what we've talked about, how much do you think it might cost to do something like this? Yeah. And Ruth, they generally always lie. Oh, I know. And the I had this happen one time with a salesperson I was training cause she couldn't get herself to talk about money cause she had other head trash about money. But anyway, and I'll go quick cause I know we're running out of time. Uh customer said, uh, I said, Hey, you know, based on what we've looked at, what do you think? How much, do you have any idea how much? No, I have no idea. And I said, well, you know, I hadn't, we're going to, we don't really know exactly, but based on what we see, we're probably going to show you options anywhere from 8,000 to $15,000. How does that strike you? And he said, well, I thought it'd be about 12,000. And I and right there we made the sale. Yeah, of course you did. So we, we gave him, I said, well, we'll show you some options under that and some options above that. And then you can decide what's best for you. But when you get that kind of a number out of somebody, that's really good. I don't have to fight, but if he said, well, you know, my neighbor had a system put in for two grand, then doesn't mean any need in me doing a presentation. Nope, <laughs> definitely I'm not, not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna waste my time. I'm not gonna quit, but I'm gonna go back to pain and see if there's something I can find
1: here. Yeah, and uh, go from there. A a tough one. Very good, so cool. All right, Roger, give everybody your website again. RogerDaviston.com, daviston.com d-a-v-i-s-t-o-n.com yes. thank you so much for being with me today and we'll you know from everybody's perspective you can do this in slower times of the year it works um, you're a living proof of it
2: yeah i wish we could talk more about some of the successes about you know money does grow on trees i've got a lot of stories about knocking canvassing and that leading to a lot of stuff
1: well how about we'll do that in february how's okay. that <laughs>
2: Thank you very much, Rose. I appreciate you.
1: Thanks for being with us. And thank you for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, strategies, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money, too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258. Or email Ruth King at HVACchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.